It's quite an experience to be sitting in this chancel looking up at this incredible pulpit. Then it occurs to me that anyone who stands here really ought to have something to say. So I am uh, more than humbled by the invitation to proclaim God's word to you today. We will trust the Spirit. Let us pray. We do ask, O God, in these moments, your Spirit would allow us to find our own lives in this ancient story with Abraham and Sarah. Let us find your good work that is not done with us. We pray it in the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Amen. Did they go out and buy a crib? Did they set up the nursery and start to talk about names? Did she start to make baby clothes? God promised Abram and Sarai that even in their old years, they would have a baby. If only they left home and began the journey of faith. Well, what couple, after waiting for so many years to have a baby, could finally hear a promise from God that they were going to have one? And who who could resist at least getting the crib? (laughs) But what made this promise even more spectacular, it wasn't just a baby. God promised that they were being blessed to be a blessing to others. Their life was going to have a long significance that would outlive them. It was 24 years ago that that promise was first made to Abram and Sarai. For the most part, they've held up their end of the deal. They left home. They began the journey of faith. They've had some good years and some bad years, but they haven't had a baby. And at the end of every move, they would once again reassemble a crib that would remain empty. Abram is now 99 years old. Sarai is 89. And I imagine after the last couple of moves, they stopped reassembling the crib. Chances are great that you know something of this kind of discouragement. Maybe at an earlier time in your life, you threw yourself into a great dream. A dream that maybe you believe came to you from God. A wonderful dream. You were so committed to this. Maybe it involved a relationship. Or maybe it involved the impact that your life was going to have. Or maybe it was a dream about what God was doing to mend an injustice in our society. And you were going to be a part of that. You were committing yourself to this dream. As the years started to pile up, so did the disappointments. And after a while, it it gets hard to keep reassembling the dream. So we leave it on a shelf, in the closet, the protected corner of our heart. It was actually Sarai who came up with the idea for Abram to try to have this baby with her handmaid, Hagar. Wasn't exactly the dream, but they told themselves, sometimes you have to settle. 
We have no idea what Hagar thought of this idea. It could be that she was a willing participant, or it could be her opinions didn't matter. She was just being used as a means to an end. The child that Abraham had with Hagar is named Ishmael. He's now 13 years old. Well, then one of those ordinary, not-so-spectacular days for which Abram had settled, God reappeared. The first thing that God does is to announce a new name, El Shaddai, God of the mountains, or God Almighty. Abraham is down on his face in worship. The second thing God does is to change Abram's name to Abraham, saying, because, don't forget, you're going to be the father of a multitude of nations. I think at this point, he's back up on his feet, saying, yes, you can just call me father of a multitude of many nations from now on. This is fantastic. Apparently, God is going to bless Ishmael. It just took a little help from Hagar and me. We just had to tailor down the dream to something realistic. This is so often how we handle the blessings of God. Blessings which can only be received by God's amazing grace. You can't earn a blessing. You can't pry one out of God's hands. They just come as gifts from heaven, in heaven's own timing. But every time we hear a promise of a blessing, or a promise of God's good work, we try to turn it into our own achievements, and then we bring it to God for approval. Maybe this is what you had in mind doesn't sound like what you did, but it's the best I can do on my own. But God continues and says to Abraham, oh, and by the way, I'm also changing your wife's name to Sarah, because don't forget, the two of you are having a baby. The text tells us that now Abraham is back down on his face again, but this time it's because he's laughing too hard to stand up. We're having a what? A what? I was impressed that I had a baby with Hagar when I was 86. I'm paraphrasing this just a little bit. <laughs> Actually, what the text says is, shall a man who is 100 years old have a son? Shall a woman who is 89 bear a child? What? I preached my very first sermon as a seminarian on this text. Unfortunately, I was preaching in a nursing home. I thought I was just being relevant. I pointed out that Abraham and Sarah were actually older than most most of you sitting here. And who knows what God might have for your future? <laughs> Woman sitting in a wheelchair interrupted the sermon at that point and said, Preposterous! It later occurred to me she's the only one who got this text just right. This is preposterous. 
What I remember most vividly about that day, though, was after they had taken the residents back to their rooms. Middle-aged chaplain stayed behind. She said to me, you know, my husband and I have not been able to have children. It's been one of the great wounds of our lives. How seriously do you think we should take this kind of text? I immediately began to backpedal. I said, oh, well, well, I I was just preaching. I, I I don't know. I said, to make matters worse, I then said, I think a lot of people want to have babies and they don't get to. Well, of course. I think she was pretty clear about that. Of course. Of course. People that we love who are very ill die in spite of our prayers for them. Of course. After 200 years of democracy, we still have potential leaders talking about building walls and keeping out entire religious groups of people. In spite of over 2,000 years of Christian missionary effort, we still have a world that is scarred by violence, oppression, and hunger. Of course, I know the score. But we can never be a people who give up hope. For in that day, our souls began to wither. We have hope, not because it feels good, but because we live by the conviction that God is not done. God is not done with your life. God's not done. God is not done with the church. God is not done with this world that in Jesus Christ he was literally dying to love. After we have seen already from our sacred tradition what God has done. A God who yearned for us, who came to find us in Christ Jesus. Who took on our flesh and our frailty. Who walked our roads, who healed our sick. Who died for our sins, who rose for our new life who continues after the ascension to reign over all creation. Are you going to tell that God to be realistic? We live by the belief that it is God who creates reality. Or to the peril of our souls, they wither. A little bit later, we're told that some angels showed up at Abraham's tent just to say that uh, he was really serious. Uh, God really is going to provide a child for Abraham and Sarah. This time we're told that it was Sarah who got the laughter started. God's getting kind of interested in all this laughter at this point. And so God says to Abraham, why, why did Sarah laugh? Is, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? There it is. That's the question of today. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Those of you who've grown weary of life's disappointments and have settled, 
settled into jobs that are sucking out your souls, or settled for a loneliness wakes you up and keeps you up every night, or who have settled for living in a society with such horrible problems with racism, sexism, widening gap, wealth, poverty. Those who once had dreams of working on a better society, that those who once committed themselves to a thing called the kingdom of God, what would it be like if one of God's holy angels were to come to you to say, hey, it, it's, it's time to recover the old dreams. They're about to be dreams come true. What, what would you say? Would you say, well, that's preposterous? Or would you, would you with a little laughter, say, is, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? It is not up to us to determine if the dreams that we have for God will come true. That's God's business. It's certainly not up for us to determine when they will come true. That, too, is God's business. Our business is to throw ourselves into the dream, to allow it to shape our lives, to give us our identity, to give us souls that have some weightiness and gravitas to them, because we are living for hopes worthy of our fleeting years. That's what the dream does. We continue to remain devoted to that dream. We always will, or we will lose ourselves. It's not hard to believe in the dream when things are going so well for you. But when things are not going well, when the disappointments have been too many, or when there's just too many long, ordinary, dull days, nothing resembling what you once dreamed, that's when the decision to say, is anything too wonderful for the Lord, vital to your soul. That's what gives you a weighty soul. That choice, which is always available to you. Hope is always available. And it is always possible to say, I will be who I am, a person shaped and molded by this dream. And I will wait upon the Lord for its fulfillment. It's significant that God changes Abraham and Sarah's name before the child is born. Name goes to the identity. I think our identities are frankly shaped more by promises than they are by the fulfillment of promises. I like that line. I want to say it again. Our identities are shaped more by the promises we believe than they are by the fulfillment of them. Because we live by faith. Remember, Abraham and Sarah were blessed to be a blessing to those around them. It may be true that many outside the walls of the church believe something other than what we believe. It may be true that many believe nothing at all. Let us pray that at least they believe the church believes. At least let the world around us believe that those people still have hope. They're still believers. They're still devoted to the dream. It is what all religions need to offer, a world that is starving for the sacred. 
They need to believe that we believe. It is striking that God does not get cross with Abraham and Sarah for their laughter. In fact, God seems to kind of enter into the whole joke by saying, well, let's just go ahead and call this kid Isaac, which is Hebrew for laughter. you got to believe that in all those years following, when Abraham would go out and call laughter to come in for dinner, he also had to smile to himself and say, wow, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? There's a wonderful um, epilogue to this story. This text makes it very clear that God not only blessed Isaac and promised to make of him a great nation, but God also blessed Ishmael and promised to make of him a great nation as well. Today, the great nation of Isaac and the great nation of Ishmael are having a hard time living together in the Middle East. It'd be realistic to say, well, they always have. Nothing's ever really going to change. Or you could say both of them have been blessed by God. So we will continue to pray and to work and to dream for peace. Is that preposterous? Maybe, but the last thing you ever want to tell God is to be realistic. Amen.